Robin, thank you for the instruments today. <clears throat> Again, to all our veterans, thank you for being here. To our guests, thank you for being in this local church. I want to say there is nothing like a local church. There is nothing like it. Lord willing, I may preach on that next week on the anniversary Sunday celebration, <clears throat> but I'm thankful for a local church where people come and sing and minister one to another where the word of God <clears throat> is sounded forth not only from the pulpit but also in the lives of its members. Life is of God. God is the originator of life. It says in Genesis 2-7 as God is recapping what has happened in Genesis chapter 1 that God made man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. As Paul was preaching on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, he makes a statement about God and he says, He giveth life to all. The reason, and I, the reason that you and I live is because God has deemed that we have life. And just like life is of God, there are many seasons of God. If you would, you're there in Psalms. It's not uh, too far to go over to Ecclesiastes. Jump over there with me if you would. It's, take a right turn in Psalms and you'll hit Proverbs. And then uh, if you see Proverbs, uh, the next book is Ecclesiastes. And we'll read uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now, every time I come to these verses, I think, for those of you that are children of the 60s, you will recognize this as lyrics from the birds' song. But it really, what it is, is right out of Ecclesiastes. And God says in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, and a time to lose. A time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. And as our veterans know, a time of war and a time of peace. What do we learn here? By the way, the days, which are 24 hours, and the seasons spring and summer and autumn and winter are wonderful reminders of God's faithfulness. In Psalm 89, <clears throat> verse 1, it says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness 
to all generations. Verse 2, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Uh, we read how God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14 uh, begins to recount the tale of the creation of the stars, the sun and the moon. And it says there in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 14, uh, it says, uh, the, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament and the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. I think about that. I think he would say later, uh, after the flood in Genesis chapter 8, verse number 22, he would have uh, more to say about the seasons. He would say there that while earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. The day today began with the sun rising in the east. Why? Because our God is faithful. The day will close today with the sun setting in the west. Why? Because our God is faithful day and night. The seasons, again, also remind us not only of God's faithfulness, but God's purposes in our lives as well as His beauty and diversity. I think of springtime. Everything begins to awaken from His three-month slumber. Amen? Trees begin to bud. Plows are out in fields, preparing them. Crops are sown. And the entire world, or at least our little corner of the world, becomes green, doesn't it? It's beautiful. We get that early rain, as the Bible says. Then comes summer. Crops grow tall with the latter rain and the heat and warmth and nourishment of God's season of sunshine. And then we move into where we are now. Autumn. Harvest time. The leaves become aflame with God's beauty. And by the way, God's beauty in their death as they are dying on the trees. The temperatures begin to chill. The wood must be split and stacked, preparing for what's ahead. For what's ahead after spring, summer, and autumn. Winter. The fields are clean. The frost has made the ground as hard as iron. The snow and its beauty begins to fall and accumulate and cover all in its cold and cleanness, reminding us of God's people, of God's promise that He said, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ can forgive us of our sins, cleanse us, and give us a home in heaven. <clears throat> Just as the seasons are different, and the days have both day and night, life has times of both happy sunshine, but also 
deep darkness. Think of those sunshiny times in your life. They're good times. Think of the birth of your children. How special that is. What a miracle that is. Amazing, after five billion years of evolution, it still only takes nine months. Maybe not on the evolution part, amen? Maybe it's just a miracle of God that we put those processes in place. Oh, I think of the birth. Oh, I was there for all of the births of each of my three children. What a miracle. What a, what a, what a happy day. You, you, can tell, you can tell a dad, hey, you, 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 know, you, you can give him all the advice in the world, but until you become a dad, it's just not the same. You can't wipe that smile off your face. And you see that little chunk. Chunk of cheese, amen? Listen, that's a sunshiny day. Sir, ma'am, the day that your, your kids get married. Dad, you get to walk your little girl down the aisle. That's a sunshiny day right there. That's a sunshiny day. Mom, you give your little boy away. Those are good days. Encouraging days. And then, as a reward for not killing your children, God gives you grandchildren. <laughs> Dr. Malone, the head of our Bible college, he was in his 80s when I was there, and I remember hearing him say, if I'd have known how wonderful grandchildren were, I'd have never had children. I'd just had grandchildren. Amen. Oh, you get to hold your first grandchild. What a sunshiny day. Some of you have held way more than one. You're, you're on great grandchildren now. What a blessing. But you know, there are also not only sunshiny, happy days, there are also days of despair, discouragement, and just darkness. You know, I think it's the first time I've had many people sleep during my messages. I think it's the first time I've ever had a dog sleep during my message. Amen. <laughs> but I notice, um, um, of course, it's a therapy dog. Amen. I notice it says right there, PTSD. That's darkness, isn't it, fellas? That's just darkness. Sometimes it lasts a long time. I remember my friend Gary Bikirk. A Medal of Honor recipient friend who passed away in 2021. Good man. He used to go down and volunteer at the VA to help soldiers coming back from the Gulf War to deal with darkness. Just have coffee with him. There are days of darkness, you know. There are days when cancer claims the dearest one you love. And then there are the days afterwards that are just dark. I think about those that have a debilitating illness, stuck in a wheelchair, where they're not going to come out of that until God calls them home. That's dark. That's dark. This psalm is a companion of Psalm 74. And it begins with what is called here in, in Psalm 77, if you go back there and look, it, it begins with a time of national lament. 
And really, it's a time of national darkness. Jerusalem, their capital, has been destroyed. And obviously, Jerusalem is in the news uh, more and more uh, lately. But this was a time where it had been destroyed. Uh, countless Israelites had been slain. And many had been carried away to conquering Babylon. Some believe that this psalm was written uh, by, uh, by Asaph and that Asaph remained in Jerusalem and he ministered to those who had seen all this and were in a period of deep, deep darkness. The sunny days of life, thank God for them, but the darkness are also days and I want to, Lord willing, if I can today, help you with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God on the title of the message today is Getting Through Deep Darkness. When darkness comes to stay for a while, how can we get through it? How can we get through it? I, I want you to notice with me in the first few verses, verses 1 through 9, I want you to notice some symptoms of deep darkness. Some symptoms of deep darkness. It says there, verse number 1, I cried unto God with my voice, even to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. He says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I think the first symptom of deep darkness is sorrow. And what we have here is an uncomforted soul. It says there, my soul refused to be comforted. I think it was... Uh, Last year, we preached through the, the, uh, the dealings with Joseph, God's dealings with Joseph, the journeyings of Joseph. And we talked about that time, and, and many of you remember uh, that. Some of you may not. You may be new uh, to that story. But uh, Joseph uh, was his father's favorite son, one of 12, and his brothers hated him. And uh, his father sent him to check on his older brothers. And as soon as his older brothers uh, saw him coming, they said, the oldest dreamer coming, Joseph had had dreams, and they had shared them uh, with his brothers. And they conspired to kill him. And they threw him in a pit, and they had lunch, and basically, forgive me, uh, they coin flipped whether they were going to kill him or not. Imagine that. Imagine how awful that must have been. But then, again, those of you that know the story, you know, in Genesis, uh, the end of Genesis chapter 37, they decide not to kill him. They, desire, they decide to sell him to the, to the Israelites. Now think about that. A fate, a fate worse than death. They sent him off into slavery, amen. And remember what they did. They took his coat that his father gave him. They dipped it in animal's blood. They brought it back to their father. Remember what happened? They said, our, our, you know, our brother's been surely torn in pieces. And remember what it says that they, and, and again, this always, every time I read this story, I think about this and how sad Jacob was. And they tried to comfort him. Now, I want to just say, they could have comforted him by saying, he, he's alive and let's go find him. That would have done. But it says about Jacob that his sorrow was so great that he refused to be comforted. What is that? That's darkness. Some of you have been there. Some of you may be there right now. You've got a smile on your face around everybody else, but when you go to where you sleep tonight, it's just dark. 
sorrow is a symptom of deep darkness. Not only sorrow, but if you look at verse number three with me, please. It says, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was what, church? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed is a strange word in the English language. You've never heard of somebody being underwhelmed, and you've never heard of somebody being whelmed. It's only when you're overwhelmed. But what is overwhelmed? Not only do we see sorrow and uncomforted soul, but we see sunkenness, and I call that an overwhelmed spirit. That you just literally can't handle reality the way things are. You're overwhelmed. I've been around, been in the ministry for almost 25 years, a little over 25 years. I have been around people and I have seen people in sunkenness, just absolutely overwhelmed, where, where the simple tasks of life just couldn't be done. The, the eggs couldn't be made in the morning. The laundry couldn't be folded. They were absolutely overwhelmed. Sunkenness, I call that. It's a symptom of deep darkness. Sorrow. Sunkenness. How about, how about this one? Verse number four. It says, Thou holdest mine eyes waking. What is that? Not only sorrow and sunkenness, but sleeplessness. Have you ever been in such deep darkness that you couldn't sleep? You just couldn't sleep. I think of stories that I've heard from soldiers before that were in war. That they're so in tune that, that the memories are so real of what they endure that they wake up and it's like they had five cups of coffee. They can't go back to sleep. Let me tell you something, when you don't get good sleep, it affects you. And it most certainly affects the darkness, making it darker. Sleeplessness. I, I've had times in the ministry. I wish I didn't, but I have had times in the ministry where I, just couldn't, I, I, was, I was going through such darkness. I remember a dark time in our church. My boys were little, little, little. Luke was two. And I, I very much try as a pastor not to bring my darkness home to my family when I have it. I don't have it all the time, just, just like everybody else. I'm prone to it just like you are. But there was a time where I just apparently didn't contain it very well because Luke, I always used to, when my children were little, I always used to touch their face. I just used to love to touch their face. Just, just to let them know daddy's hand will never hurt you. Daddy's hand is for safety and comfort. And, uh, and Luke came up and he touched my face and he said, it'll be okay, Daddy. It'll be okay. And I remember I was so ashamed of myself that I let him see that part of me. But I was just in darkness. And I would, go, I would come into the office at 2.30 in the morning. Why? I couldn't sleep. Forgive me, might as well get something done. Amen? Sleeplessness is a symptom of deep darkness. Sunkenness. Sorrow. How about this one? In 
verse number 4. Now holdest mine eyes waking, I am so troubled that I cannot what? That's darkness right there. When somebody comes up to you and they say, they grab you and they say, how are you doing? And they just go like this. They just can't speak. By the way, thank the Lord for the precious word of God. The Bible says that likewise the Spirit also intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8.26. You know what that tells me? When you are in such deep darkness that you can't even speak to God, the Holy Spirit can take your heart requests right up to Him. Sorrow, sunkenness, sleeplessness, silence. And then we see sadness in the questions of verse 7 through 9. You know, when sadness overwhelms us, we lash out with our words. What's it say there in verse 7? Will the Lord cast off forever? By the way, what's the answer to that question? No. Will he be favorable no more? No. Is his mercy clean gone forever? No. Doth his promise fail forevermore? No. Hath God forgotten to be gracious? God didn't forget anything except our sins. <laughs> Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercy? No, 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 no. But why did he ask? Because he was sad. Sadness have overwhelmed him. And, and so we have sadness, we have silence, we have sleeplessness, we have sunkenness, we have sorrow. These are symptoms of deep darkness. There was a day in fundamental churches where preachers were dismissive of depression. And shame on us. Now, by the way, I don't believe there's a pill for everything. But some people, I have a dear friend, his body does not produce serotonin. In case you didn't know it, serotonin is your happy drug that God put in your body. His body, just like a type 1 diabetic does not produce insulin and has to get synthetic insulin, he takes a half a pill a day and his wife said he's like a different person because it introduces serotonin into his body. Depression and darkness are real. How about a couple of biblical examples? Remember the story of Elijah? Elijah, this great prophet, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, walks up to wicked King Ahab and says, Big boy, it's not going to rain until I say. And then he leaves. And Ahab searches the country for him. God hides him out. God feeds him with the ravens. God feeds him with a widow. Then he comes back and Ahab says, Are you the one who troubles Israel? And Elijah, again, all love his boldness. He says, It's not me. It's you and your stinking, wretched, wicked wife and your family. Amen. That sin and making idols in God's land here. You're the problem. Then, of course, the contest with the 850 false prophets. He said, Let's do this. Let's have a sacrifice, and the God that answers by fire lets him be God, and you people just finally choose. Pick a side, amen. 
And you know what happens. The, the, false, the false prophets, they call upon their small G God and he doesn't do anything because he doesn't exist. Amen. And then Elijah boldly says, God, for these people, for your name's sake, answer and boom, the fire comes down and licks up the, the dust and the sacrifice and all that. And then those 850 false prophets are slain. And then what happens in chapter 19 of 1 Kings? We find Elijah under a juniper tree requesting of himself that he might what? Die. Depression. One of my favorite characters in the New Testament, the Elijah of the New Testament, is John the Baptist. John the Baptist who again walked up to wicked King Herod who had killed his brother and taken his wife. And John the Baptist walked right up to him and said, it is not lawful for you to have her. Everybody knows what you did. And what does he do? He casts John into prison. And John there in prison, sitting day after day after day after day after day after day for doing right. In deep darkness, sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. Remember what, he, remember what they said to Jesus? They said, John wants to know, are you really him? Are you really the Son of God? Remember, it was John that pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But now he's sending disciples because he, he's in a season of depression and discouragement and darkness darkness is real depression it's real Charles Spurgeon called the prince of preachers would take months of sabbatical on the shores of France battling and, and God blessed his ministry battling depression and darkness Symptoms of deep darkness, sorrow, sunkenness, sleeplessness, silence, sadness. Let me give you some solutions for deep darkness. Solutions. Look, if you would, in verse number 11 of Psalm 77. Really, it starts in verse 10. He says, this is my infirmity, that darkness that you have. It's your infirmity, difficulty. He says, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Number one solution for deep darkness, meditate upon God's works. Meditate upon God's works. I'm talking about meditate on your life and how God is blessed and how God is protected and how God has brought you this far. right after vacation Bible school my wife rolled over in the bed and said ow and then she realized that she had a large lump in her right breast three centimeters by the time we found it went to the doctor and began to do all the things that you do 
found out that she had stage three breast cancer, very aggressive, very aggressive. And so we began to go through the process of scans and genetic testing and all those things, found out my wife has a very, not only aggressive cancer, but she also has a very bad gene for cancer, RAD51C, and it involves cancer. So it made the decision for us. She began to do chemotherapy, and I watched as she lost her beautiful blonde hair. I remember it was coming out in clumps. And uh, a friend of ours, Ms. Cynthia Reese, who did our COVID cuts for us. Remember that when we had COVID cuts and nobody was cutting hair and everybody needed their hair cut? And the Reese's came in and cut, cut our hair. She shaved my wife's head. And it wasn't long after that before all that hair came out. And she was completely bald. This time last year, she was completely bald. And then in January, she had a double mastectomy. She had all the lymph nodes taken out in her armpit. And out of the 26 lymph nodes they took out, 18 of them were cancerous, which is bad. It's not good. And she went through radiation. We used to go every day through radiation. Some of you know Bill Hillman's not in his head, but been through this. And then I kidded her. I said, like Samson, Brother Downing, the hair of her head began to grow again. <laughs> and uh, now she has these beautiful curls. It's hilarious. I mean, literally, her hair is hilarious all the time. She, she has this hat that she got at uh, Hobby Lobby. It says, Bad Hair Day. I said, you just need to wear that all the time, honey. Amen. And literally, the, the other morning, she, she walked into our bedroom, and she looked at me, and she went like this. And I mean, her hair looked like firecrackers had gone off in it. And she went like this. She said, my hair is especially special today. <laughs> hey, if we're not careful, we can just focus on the darkness. And not on all that God did over all these months. And how our hair came back and how our churches loved us and prayed for us. And how God has blessed. I'm sorry, puppy. I do that to wake up the people, not the puppies. Amen. Oh, mercy. Listen. Stop meditating on the darkness and meditate on the goodness of God. The darkness is there. I'm not discounting that. I'm telling you, control your thinking and meditate on God's works in your life. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1. How about this one? Great, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, but we forget about verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. God is working in this situation, even in the darkness. We're going to look at that tonight in, in Psalm 139. It says, 
with God, it's light and dark are the same. He's just the same whether it's light or dark. Meditate upon God's works in your life. How about this one? Look at verse 11 and verse 14. It says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember what? Thy wonders of old. Go down to verse 14. Thou art the God that doest what? Not only meditate upon God's works, but muse upon God's wonders. Now that is, this is one of the reasons why you ought to read your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, you get an understanding of the history of God's wonders. Hey, you can go back to Genesis 1-1 and start with the wonder of wonders. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I saw a comedian was, was speaking the other day. He was, he was <clears throat> talking about atheism and how funny it is. He said, it's funny. It really is. Because, again, you don't have to believe in God. But if you believe in atheism, you have to believe that everything came from nothing, which never happens. It is never repeatable. Now, we would say this, our God is all-powerful, and His creation is never repeatable. Amen. I think that that makes more sense than glassing up nothing and expecting to have something in there in a thousand years. It's a wonder. Hey, how about this? The fact that God created you. God gave you life. That's a wonder. How about looking at what He did in the Old Testament? The bush that was not burned. Why? So he could deliver his people. The ten plagues that God delivered his people out of Egypt. And then, uh, forgive me, when, when I, always, I always think of what Yul Brenner uh, said in, in Ten Commandments, when, when they come to the Red Sea and he said, the Hebrew God is a poor general. Why? Because he brought his people right to the Red Sea and here are the Egyptians coming up from behind him and God sends that pillar of fire up and you remember when Charlton Heston held up his hands? Amen. No. Moses, amen. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And what happened? The Red Sea parted. And the Hebrews walked across on dry ground. What is that? That's a wonder of God. And then wonder enough, the Egyptians tried it and the waters returned. And all the Egyptians that were going to kill the people of God were trying. What am I saying? I'm saying this. God is a God of wonders. Yes, you're in darkness, but muse upon his wonders. And then something else I see here is a solution for deep darkness. If you look at Psalm 77, verse number 13, it says, Thy way, O God, is in the what? Would you, would you go back just a couple pages in your Bible to Psalm 73? This is a very familiar psalm. It could be a psalm for today, really. It says in verse number 2, But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Doesn't, doesn't that make you, doesn't that boggle your mind? As you look around and you see, it seems like the more wicked somebody is, the richer they become. It's amazing. I just think of people through the years that have just accumulated massive wealth and power, and they're just as wicked as the devil himself. 
And this is what the psalmist is saying. He's like, I looked around and, I, and he said in verse 4, there are no bands in their death, their strength is firm, and they're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. You think, well, some of the best people I know, they, don't, they sometimes don't know how they're going to pay their electric bill that month. That never happens to the wicked rich people. Never. Just don't bother them. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. And he goes on and on and on. But then he finally says here, he says in verse 16, if you look there, he says, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the what? Sanctuary of God. Then understood I the end. Solutions for deep darkness. Meditate upon God's works. Muse upon God's wonders. Maintain God's worship. Listen to me. When you're in darkness, that is not the time to forsake your church family. That is not the time to stop reading your Bible. That is not the time to stop praying. Forgive me. In the darkness, that is the time to cling to those things. Oh, it's just a crutch. Ah, fool on that. It's just God Almighty. I remember I've told the story before. My pastor today, it's it's a, it's a blessed time that he's there. He's out at, in Hoyoke, Massachusetts, and he's doing the commissioning service for their new pastor, Pastor Steve Miller, who we prayed for in regards to a vote there at the church. Uh, my friend Chad Carrillo resigned after 18 years, Brother Miller's a pastor now. Pastor Tharp is there commissioning Brother Miller as the pastor. He was the founding pastor, was there for 19 years, and 20 years ago, his oldest son was killed in a car wreck. Awful. I remember being his youth pastor at the time, being there at the church. And I have shared this before, but I remember something that my pastor said to me. And he said, Richard, I mentioned before, my pastor and his wife are the only people in my life that call me Richard. It's a term of affection. He said, Richard, I, now this is my pastor speaking to me now. He said, Richard, I read my Bible and I get nothing. I thank God for the advice of the Holy Spirit who took I, I didn't what do you say when your pastor says that to you? I said, keep reading. Keep reading. Listen, if you're in darkness, keep reading. If you're in darkness, keep praying. If you're in darkness, keep coming to church. There is a church family right here that loves you appreciates you. And by the way, if they don't know that you're in darkness, none of us are mind readers. Sometimes people think, oh, you know, the pastor didn't come visit me. Did you call me? I'm not a mind reader. I'm really not. But if you do, I'll be there. If, you, if you're in darkness, you let somebody in our church know. They'll be there for you. They'll let somebody know. And we can pray for you. It's not a time to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's a time to say, I need to draw strength from my brothers and sisters. Symptoms of deep darkness, sorrow, 
sunk into sleeplessness, silence, sadness, solutions for deep darkness, meditate upon God's works, muse upon God's wonders, maintain God's worship. Let me give you some suggestions for deep darkness. These are our, kind of our applications. How, how can we use this message, Pastor? The first thing you're going to have to do when it comes to deep darkness is you're going to have to acknowledge it. You know, there are people in deep darkness today because you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You are in darkness because you don't have the light of the world with you. And I want to tell you this, he is available. He stands with his nail-scarred hands saying, I love you, I died for your sins, I'm willing to forgive you if you will trust me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, it says. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But when it comes to those of us that are saved, we have to acknowledge this. Some, some of you have lost a loved one and you're in darkness. Again, I'm not being morbid and I'm not being cruel, but that loved one is not coming out of that grave until Jesus says so. They're gone. You have to acknowledge the fact. You must have to pinch yourself and say, this is not a dream. This is not a bad dream. It is reality. You have to acknowledge it. Secondly, and this is, this is a little harder than acknowledging it, when it comes to darkness, being in deep darkness, you have to accept it. You're in deep darkness, you have to accept it. I don't mean that the deep darkness is going to be forever, but it is for now, and it is real, and your loving Heavenly Father has allowed a season of darkness in your life, and all God's people said. Amen. And we know, Romans 8 and 28, that all things work together for good. for good. To them that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. It does not say, I've said this so many times, it does not say that all things are good. It says all things work together for good. Seasons of darkness are not good. But God can work it together for good if you can accept it and say, God, I realize that you've permitted this in my life. Show me, teach me what you want to work together for good. Acknowledge it, accept it. Here's the hard part. Adjust to it. I think about darkness when you wake up in the middle of the night. You wake up in the middle of the night for reasons as you get older, that will become known to you. You will wake up more in the middle of the night. Said the pastor in his 50s, amen. But what happens is you wake up and the room is dark and then you have to what? You have to adjust your eyes. You can't just get up. If you do, you'll kick up. Well, if you have kids, you'll kick a truck, you'll step on a Lego, you'll... Then words will come out of your mouth that you'll have to repent of and... Yeah. You have to adjust to it. It reminds me of last Memorial Day, not this past Memorial Day, but the last Memorial Day. Our son Luke broke his leg. We were at the Salmons. Just a freak accident. He literally was on a tree branch about seven feet up. It broke. 
His foot stuck in a hole where a root was and went like this, and all his weight came down on this side, and his leg went back up like this. Just snapped. And I remember the ride. I remember the help. I remember all the people that, that helped us, Brother Steve Sammons, Pastor Alex, and Pastor Brent coming to get me. Preacher, 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 Luke broke his leg. Like, what? And then I heard, you always know the cry of your own. My goodness. Heard that. And, and I remember we had to get him in there to emergency, and they splinted his leg, and he had surgery a couple days later. And you know what he had to do over the next three, three, four, five, six months? He had to adjust to the fact that he had a broken leg. It was painful. It was difficult. Had to get around. I remember I took a picture of my shady green pastures. Everybody else is swimming. He's in his wheelchair with his leg up in the air. He had to adjust. Didn't he? Listen, if you can acknowledge this season of darkness and you can accept this season of darkness, then you can adjust to this season of darkness. Maybe you don't feel like you're being as fruitful as you could in your Christian life. Don't worry about that. I don't the seasons teach us there are times of bearing fruit and there are times of prepping the fields. Sometimes the season of darkness is a season where God wants to minister to you. But you've got to acknowledge it. You've got to accept it. You've got to adjust it. Sometimes you can get to the point where you actually adore it. Say, so what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, Paul asked God three times to remove his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that, but my grace is sufficient for you. And then you know what Paul said? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Could it be that this darkness in your life, if you acknowledge it and accept it and adjust it and adore it, could lead to a season of the power of Christ on you as never before? Now listen, I'm, I, I fully confess I do not adore darkness. I do not adore infirmities. I do not. I haven't got to that stage yet. But I could. And I should. If God permits it. If it's for His glory. You know, this prosperity preaching, prosperity preaching, prosperity preachers, the preaching belongs in hell, and I think a lot of the poor prosperity preachers are going to hell. Christian life is not prosperity. It's not. Sometimes it's darkness with the power of God. Lastly, suggestions for deep darkness. Acknowledge it, accept it, adjust to it, adore it. But can I give you, if you choose not to acknowledge it, if you choose, I'm not going to, I'm not going to accept this, I'm not going to adjust to this, I'm not going to adore it, can I give you the alternative to it? The alternative to it is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, Looking diligently, lest any fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You know what the alternative to accepting it and acknowledging it and adjusting to it is? The alternative is bitterness. And let me tell you, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Bitterness 
it's us not letting go of hurts, yes. But bitterness, our bitterness is always toward the God that permitted it, not to the people who caused it. In the end, that's where bitterness goes. God, why did you allow this? And you become, like it says in Romans 9, where the creature says to the creator, why hast thou made me thus? Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Bitterness is a fool's errand. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is you drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You're the one that dies. Deep darkness. It's real. But here's what I want to say about deep darkness. In closing, deep darkness always ends. Always. You know what it says in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5? It says, Weeping may endure a night, but joy cometh in the morning. My dad, who was not a spiritual man, got saved on the last day of his life. He was an amateur photographer and a really good one. He said one of the most spiritual things I've ever heard to me. I've never forgotten it. He used to talk, I, I love sunsets. I love sunsets. I'm just, and my dad said to me one time, he said, son, sunsets are great. By the way, another spiritual thing he said about sunsets, he said, you always need clouds for a good sunset. But he said this, there's no light like morning light. You're going through a season of deep darkness. You know what, if you keep walking with God, you keep praying, you keep being faithful, and there's just a, just a, a, a smidgen of light. If you keep doing it, it'll get a little bit bigger. And 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 it'll get the next thing you know, it'll be light again. There'll be sunshiny days. And one day, ladies and gentlemen, when we close our eyes and we take our last breath, if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, it will only be light. There will be no more darkness. Symptoms of deep darkness. What are they? Sorrow. Sorrow. Uncomforted soul. Sunkenness and overwhelmed spirit. Sleeplessness. Ungotten sleep. Silence. Unspoken prayers. Sadness. Questioning God's goodness. Some solutions for deep darkness. Meditate upon God's works in your life. Muse upon God's wonders from this book. Maintain God's worship. Be faithful. Read your Bible. Pray. Come to church. Reach out to others. Suggestions for deep darkness. You've got to acknowledge it. Accept it. Adjust to it. Even adore it. The alternative to it is bitterness, and you don't want that. Getting through deep darkness. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for this service.